First time lord, I'm Daniel Levain, and I had never seen a single Doctor Who episode until I started this podcast, and I am so into it that I just can't stop, and coming off from last week's big cliffhanger, I could not wait to see The Doctor Dances, which is the episode we're going to talk about today. It's episode 10 from season 1. Cannot wait to go into it and to really get the most out of this episode. I had to bring back the amazingly talented and super devoted fan, Jenny Fayberry. Hello. I'm so glad you didn't say the wickedly talented. The wickedly talented. <laughs> I mean, you are wickedly talented. Abdel Dazim. You are whatever you want to be. Well, thank you. Thank because you. you're that good. And this, we, we talked about it last week, but in case you did not catch it, uh, Jenny specifically told me when I started this podcast, these two episodes, the one previous to this, the empty child and the doctor dances that she wanted to talk to me about them. So oh, they're so good. Oh, they're so goodness. good. Like I'll have some others when we get to Peter Capaldi that I'll be like, those are mine. But like, <laughs> These ones are just, they're so good. Like Christopher Eccleston, he's just, he's fantastic. I mean, there's no other word for him, but fantastic. Fantastic. But But these two episodes, they're just beautiful. They're everything you could want in Doctor Who in these two episodes. It, It definitely felt very much like it encapsulated what I've so far gathered is the general idea of Doctor Who, which is a fun sort of sci-fi show with the depth that is brought to some of the scripts that we've seen so far in a way that, especially after last week's episode. So before we jump in, dear listener, if you have not seen The Doctor Dances, now is a great time to hit pause on the podcast, go watch the show, and come back because we are going to talk about it. We are going to spoil it. So please, please, please know that before moving forward. But here we go. And hopefully you saw The Empty Child because otherwise you'll just be really confused. Uh, true. Yes. <laughs> so go, go back, watch The Empty Child, watch The Doctor Dances, and then listen to last week's episode and this week's episode <laughs> of the podcast. That and it'll work. all make sense. But last week we talked about how the, the show, the, the Empty Child, definitely sets a very dark, very somber, very almost hopeless tone to the episode you know we're we're thrust into the middle of the uh, german uh, blitzkrieg blitzkrieg i the blitz I, yeah the blitz sure i, I can't mm-hmm. speak german i i thought right. i'd give it a shot but apparently i stink at it but the german blitz in london which i, I honestly i had not really ever thought about i i you know i've read the history books i've done all the things But it wasn't until I I visited London that it really struck me how much it affected the city. Because one of the things that I noticed while in London was how uh, modern certain parts of it were and how just charmingly old and rustic other parts of it were. And it wasn't until I I visited uh, Paris in that same uh, trip that all of a sudden I was like, why is Paris feel so much older, so much more cared for as a a city sort of stuck in time? And of course, it it struck me, it was because Paris was not bombed to hell by the Germans uh, as London was. So London had to reconstruct itself from a lot of destruction, uh, which... If you know where to look in modern London, you will see it. Uh, and so, it, you know, it, the last episode really leaves us in a very sort of bleak position. You know, the middle of the Blitz, these weird, undead, mask-wearing creatures constantly calling out for their mummy. And 
how does the doctor beat them? You know, what does he do? What, what clever ploy does he, uh, use to get away from this incredible threat? He chastises (laughs) them like a child. (laughs) Go to their room. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You know, the last cliffhanger we had, he was being electrocuted by the Slovene and he just goes, oh, well, this may affect the humans differently, but I'm able to, ha, and then starts to electrocute the Slovene. I expected some sort of weird space, you know, like awesomeness that he was going to pull. Instead, he just plays the dad card and goes, go to your room. I'm really glad that worked. Those would have been terrible last words. (laughs) So almost in every episode, I have a moment where I laugh out loud louder than most people should because I have such a reaction to it. I'm glad they immediately went to the credits after that because I wouldn't have heard anything for a couple (laughs) of seconds after that because that made me laugh so hard. Uh, again, you know, bringing levity to a pretty serious situation. There's, you know, there's the doctor can always be counted on to be hopeful and cheerful and bring light to the darkness. He just drops out. It's like, I'm glad that worked. But it's so funny because Eccleston, people are like, oh, he's so serious. He's such a serious doctor. I'm like, did you just see that cheeky thing you did? Oh, my gosh. He's so cheeky. Like, he is a goofy guy. Last episode, he's talking to the phone in the TARDIS. This episode, he's like sending them to the room and then like, yep, sure. Glad that worked because otherwise that would have sucked. I feel like half the time he has no clue what he's doing. He's like, oh, we'll try it. I, that's I, I, I genuinely, one of the things that I'm most uh, endeared by from the doctor is the fact that he doesn't have a plan. He is like, you know, we I mentioned last week the 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 whole Dr. Jones, Indiana Jones possible connection. The doctor kind of feels like Indiana Jones. He's just making it up as he goes along. Yeah, he's not an expert. He just he's smart. He's very smart. But there are times that he just goes, eh, let's see if this works. Eh. Well, and I and I love that for it, it would be really easy for a sci-fi show like this to sort of give the doctor all the answers so there is no mystery to him everything is sort of laid out in front of him and the mystery is solved by and through the eyes of rose and instead you know last week he's asking around because he doesn't know what's happening this week he's asking all these questions because he genuinely doesn't know what's happening yeah he's he's more ordinary sometimes than we think he is. But at the same time, he's a time Lord who has all this knowledge that we can never grasp. So he's extremely complicated while also being simple. It's, it's just a fantastic character. It It is such a tricky thing to write and yeah. such a tricky thing to pull off convincingly. And thus far, I, I buy it. Anytime he exudes any knowledge that would be otherworldly or beyond our comprehension, I buy it. And anytime he's just sitting there asking questions, I buy it too, because he is just as much a participant in the story as he is sort of the, hopefully, the executor of, uh, the, the bringer of good. Uh, and in this episode, he does not disappoint. So he sends them to the room and then, you know, there's, there's, we, we get a lot of interactions between him and Jack and it is not the same interactions that we've seen the doctor have with other boys that Rose has clearly interacted with. Yeah. He's a little jealous. And and we've seen that, right? He's he's exhibited his jealous yeah. uh, side with Mickey. He's exhibited the jealous side with um, Mikey, or yeah. I'm sorry, Mikey, and then uh, the guy from uh, the guy that he rescued uh, at the end of the Dalek episode. I'm blanking on his name now. Adam. Yeah. Adam. Yes. Uh, he he exhibits a little bit of jealousness. Well, like uh, they were this like they weren't jack jack they were definitely not jack but he also treats jack differently jack's got some knowledge 
Jack, yeah. Jack, he knows Jack isn't just like a human. Like he isn't just like somebody from Rose's time frame. He isn't, there's a lot more to Jack than these other guys have had. Okay, so you you brought it up. I was going to ask uh, about it in a little bit because they did kind of talked about it and it, it confused me. The implication that I got from this episode is that Jack is a human. He is just from a future yes. that Rose has not yet seen. But yeah, he is human, uniquely but he's human. Like, like he's smarter than Mickey. Like he's, you know, he's just... He's obviously very suave, very debonair, but he also, he's very intelligent. He knows a lot more because he's from the future. Um, he has, as far as as what we've seen, a lot going for him. Uh, I mean, he, he knows how to fly a spaceship. He knows how to use time travel. He knows how to do a lot of things. So there is a lot going on with Jack that the other guys that have shown an interest in Rose did not have going for them. So like to me, like he's on the doctor's level versus some of these other guys. And, and I definitely, I, I saw that the doctor was not, while he was jealous, he was not talking to Jack the way he talked down to Mickey and Adam. Because uh, he saw that. that, Yeah. Cause he saw that he was smarter. Like he, he knew stuff. Right. He understood stuff. And in this episode, uh, Jack does not hide it that he's a con man, that what he was doing was a con, that he found whatever that ship was, which he uh, in this episode admits is nothing more than a hospital ship for the the race, um, the, the great Chula. Yes. And that, you know, he was basically just hoping to get whatever money or whatever he was going to sell the the ship for before the thing exploded and then move on to whatever his next time con was. Mm -hmm. Because he even implied that, you know, he's used times like this um, to create those cons because he talked about, you know, the Blitz as being a great opportunity to sell you something that then gets destroyed and then implies that he has maybe even done it during the eruption of Pompeii. Yep. <laughs> uh, to, you know, to a, a saying that ends up getting stuck and, and mentioned many times throughout the show, <laughs> it's Volcano Day. Yes. It's Volcano Day, Volcano Day, a lot. Um, so there, there was definitely... A, a different status uh, in how the the doctor treats Jack, uh, but I that that was one of the questions that I had is is he more than human? Uh, and it sounds like he is just a human being. He's just a future human being. Yeah, he's he's a human with knowledge, and I think because of that, the doctor gives him more respect. Um, mm. Because hey, here's somebody who could help us. And, and speaking of help, and this is a point that we've talked about in the past, um, several of my guests have mentioned that, you know, the doctor is a, an agent of good uh, and that the doctor does not use weapons. Um, <laughs> the doctor uses the sonic screwdriver, which is a tool, not a weapon. And here we see Jack is carrying a sonic weapon. Yeah, a sonic blaster from the 51st century. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so is is there anything more than you can talk about on that front that won't spoil? So there's a lot of different uh, sonic instruments, if you will. And if you recall from the episode, the, the doctor said that um, the factory got destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor just, he doesn't like to use weapons. That's not who he is. He's not a man of, of weapons or a woman of weapons later. Um but there are different sonic instruments in the world. Um, you can probably make almost anything sonic if you want to. Um, but the doctor just prefers not to use anything other than the screwdriver because you can use the screwdriver so for so many things. To the doctor, that's the most useful tool you can have. Right, and there there is a little bit of the the goading that happens 
uh, when Jack yes. discovers, because you you see the doctor sort of dodging, it's like, well, I, yeah, I've got a Sonic thing. Uh-huh. It, it's a it's a thing, and it's Sonic, it's and Sonic. I it is Sonic. And then when when Jack finds out it's a screwdriver, uh, he he gets a couple of jabs in at the doctor at, at that expense. Um, but... Who looks at a screwdriver and says, "Ooh, this could be more Sonic." <laughs> right, uh, and that. I am, and I may be looking into it uh, and and putting more to it than than it was intended originally. But Jack is uh, presented as an American because he does not have a, a British accent. So while he may be a future human, he is not a future Londoner. Nope. Uh, and sure, the American is the one carrying a gun yeah. or a weapon. Yeah. You know, uh, whereas the the British, uh, you know, bringer of good is using a tool. That, yeah, but you must remember he's from Gallifrey. He's not really British. Uh, yes, yes. But, <laughs> uh, that's why I said I, I may be looking more into this than, uh, uh, you know, it was intended. But uh, it, it's an interesting point to bring that the doctor is not the one that uses the weapon jack is Mm -hmm. and now it seems like a very useful weapon Uh, i mean we don't actually see it used for any method of destruction uh you know it creates these weird uh square you know once again a very dated uh, idea of technology that because it's digital it has to have square edges it's like Um, pixels right it has to move (laughs) things by pixels and then replace them by pixels right um, but hey, it worked in their case. So what the heck? Exactly, it helped them. Uh, but it, it, again, you know, it is a weapon. It is talked and discussed as a weapon, mm-hmm. but it's not a destructive weapon. At least yeah. not in the not way the we way saw Jack it, use correct. it. Well, and the doctor also didn't want any of those people harmed mm-hmm. because the doctor doesn't like to kill, yeah. and he's still trying to figure out what's wrong with them and if there's something that can be done to help them because they are all still alive. Mm-hmm. All those people that have the um, the gas mask faces, if you will. So he doesn't well, the, want to hurt them. At, at least what we knew, I mean, we ultimately find out at the end that they were, but we knew that they were not dead. Correct. That's but what they the weren't said. quite alive. Right. Yeah. That's what doctor said. They're they're still, you know, alive as far as the doctor, the, the MD doctor was aware. So the doctor doesn't want to hurt any of them. But he's still trying to kind of figure out what's going on. So he doesn't want Jack to shoot them either. So mm-hmm. they're just trying to escape at this point. Right. Um, the other thing that's fun that happens is you learn that the Ninth Doctor um, has a fondness of bananas. That So that moment felt <laughs> so interesting to me. Uh, because it had it come out of anything other than the way it was presented, it would have felt very cartoony but because he talks about the the factory that manufactures the weapon as you said Mm -hmm. and it had been destroyed and then he says it it is now a a field of bananas Mm -hmm. and then the next thing you see is the weapon has been replaced by the doctor who you know pickpocketed him yes and it's replaced by a banana yes and when he's like, well, why a banana? It's like, well, it's an important source of potassium. Yeah, bananas good. I like bananas. <laughs> right? You know, and this is, the, the, there, was a, there was a very quick reference that we didn't discuss last week uh, about uh, milk. And out of all the creatures in the universe, <laughs> yes. why did it have to come out of a cow? Impl- <laughs> implying that the doctor enjoys milk. Yes. That's, you know, what I gathered. And here we are, the next episode, and again, you know, an indication that the doctor enjoys a very human fruit like a banana. Yeah. He has some very specific food choices. Um, Mm -hmm. When you get to the 11th Doctor, when you get to Matt Smith, there's some fantastic scenes with food. With food. (laughs) With food. Oh, fantastic. Um, But the banana one is just, it's it's very cute. They actually made a Funko Pop with... Mm. The ninth doctor carrying a banana. Oh, that's fun. So like at my wedding, one of our props that we had for photos were bananas. 
were bananas. I like bananas. Bananas are good. Um, I mean, they're a good source of potassium. Yeah. There's there's another quote somewhere along the lines of Doctor Who that's like, always bring a banana to a party. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's just, it's it's one of those cute throw-ins that, you know, it gets thrown back in later. Mm -hmm. That it's just, it's cute. It's one nice little segment, but it's one of those things that makes Doctor Who what it is. It, like I said, you know, had it not come out of that organic conversation, uh, which for the doctor, it feels very organic. He, you know, they're talking about the future. And of course, the doctor would know more than just what Jack knew because he's traveled across so many timelines that, of course, he would know that the place that, you know, manufactured his sonic weapon uh, was destroyed and is now replaced by a field of bananas. Yeah. Uh, and then to introduce the banana in that other way, just very nice, very witty. Uh, very fluid. You know, just, exactly. Yeah. Not, not forced at all. Yeah. Like I enjoyed that very much. But um, as they use the, uh, the, the weapon, uh, we get, this the, the the knowledge that the child is really at the center of this zombie like herd yeah. that is staying at the hospital that it poor all spawns Jamie. poor little Jamie yeah we we get his name little Jamie uh, and the the child is been imbued uh, the doctor says he's been imbued with godlike powers I mean. Later in the episode, we see what would really happen, but that's the first time that I've seen the doctor in uh, use the words God in a way that insinuated that type of power in the universe. Uh, am I just reading too much into this? Um, I don't think so. Uh, it's not something that doesn't exist in the Doctor Who world. Um, I don't think that it's in the Christian form of God. It's more God-like. So multiple yeah, no, he, the, the implication in what he says is that it is about the power. Yes. That's the, that's, that's the part that resonated most when, when he says it, 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 and it it struck me, I, I was trying to sort of scratch my head for that's the first time. Mm-hmm. That he starts to almost let on that, you know, that is a lot of power that this child has. Yeah. He is able to communicate mm-hmm. through all of these electronics and he is able to almost as a hive mind control these, you know, now zombie like creatures. Uh, and again, Knowing that this is written and that sometimes they're very specific about their wording, Mm -hmm. it felt like there was a menace to what the doctor said and a worry to what the doctor said that it it may be indicated to the possibility that throughout the universe there are other beings that possess this type of godlike power, like he said. Uh, Certainly. Absolutely. Um, there in the Doctor Who universe, there are definitely other creatures that have godlike powers. Um, because the Doctor Who universe is not an earthly universe, there are multiple universes, multiple planets, um, which means there are multiple gods. Um, mm-hmm. there could definitely be other creatures that have powers as such. So, I don't think that's an accidental comment. It's definitely something that I think the doctor probably has seen before. Um, and no doubt we'll see again, uh, not necessarily to this exact extent, not necessarily, are you my mummy, but mm. something else that is strong, equally strong, as strong, close to as strong. Um, definitely. I'm sure he will see something with godlike powers again. Well, I'm glad I picked up on that. Mm-hmm. So, we 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 see a lot of uh, Jack and um, be, Jack and Rose and the doctor being chased through the hospital, 
And then once they're cornered, Jack just disappears. Bye-bye. Right. Just vanishes in thin air, which um, I, I alluded to last week. And then watching this episode, I felt sort of vindicated in that I figured that's how he got into his ship. There was some sort of teleportation yes. device or some sort of beaming up kind of device because otherwise I, I doubt that he climbed all the way up to the top of uh, Big Ben and jumped onto his ship to get there. Well, that would be fun to see. I mean, sure. <laughs> but I, I figured that that was the, the, the case. And so there, there's that moment where Jack and uh, I'm sorry, where the doctor and Rose are left alone and die and Rose while the doctor is clearly concerned with trying to get them out of there, Rose is, for what I've seen, she is distracted for the first time and not worried about this imminent world-ending threat. And she's more concerned about, you know, what the doctor is thinking and almost goading him and saying, you know, he here's this guy, Jack, and he's very interesting. And he responds in a way that you don't. And, and you know, I know they have never addressed it. And every time they talk about it in the show, they say it's not a relationship. It's not a sexual relationship. It's not a boyfriend and girlfriend relationship. But she was definitely having a conversation with the doctor trying to make him jealous. I, I think it's getting there. I think the more they travel together, the closer they obviously get. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that he's 900 years old, I don't think that necessarily matters to Rose. Because obviously, he doesn't look like he's 900 years old. Right. He's an attractive dude. At least um, in this version. In this form, in this... yeah. Um, they've shared a lot of very cool moments together. Also some very scary moments together. When you share those types of moments, you find a closeness with those people. And I feel like they definitely are building a relationship at this point. Um, they are getting closer. You know, she did choose him over Mickey. She, she might've been choosing the lifestyle at first, but in choosing that lifestyle, she's also choosing him. You know, um, she could have chosen the lifestyle of Mickey, but she's choosing the lifestyle that she has with the doctor. And Part of that is choosing the doctor. So I do feel like the relationship, especially in this episode, is transforming. And she's trying to see, so doctor, is there something here? Or is there something, like, should I not pursue this? That That's exactly, you know, thank you for putting that into words. Because that's where I thought... Uh, you know, the a few episodes ago when she was basically flirting with Adam, uh, the doctor specifically says, that's your boyfriend. And she goes, <laughs> well, not anymore. Yeah. Uh, when he when he faints, implying that, yeah, she was absolutely sort of playing that angle of it, um, which, you know, means she may still be playing the angle with Mickey as well. But in, you know, it, there, there was clear attraction from Rose to uh, Jack in last episode. And, you know, why wouldn't there be? He's a very attractive looking man. Um, is he? I didn't notice. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Mm. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sure that that escaped <laughs> your periphery. But, you know, the, 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 the relationship aspect of it is the one that really, like, she's sitting there talking to him. And I'm thinking... Why is she doing this other than to 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 prod to try to get that answer? Uh, and like you said, you know, is there more to this? Should I keep looking into this or should I just go on, you know, with my crush with Jack kind of thing? Uh, and it did seem jarring because, again, we've seen Rose in these perilous situations and she's always been wrapped up in the perilous situation. You know, there was no moment during the um, episode with the Dalek where she was concerned solely about the doctor. She was concerned about the Dalek and what that meant for everything else. 
yeah. you know, with, uh, with the, um, with the episode that we covered, uh, the, the, the unquiet, uh, the unquiet dad, you know, she was concerned with these bodies and the people and the, uh, you know, she was always wrapped up in the adventure. And this is the first time where there's danger right on the other side of that door. And she's sitting down on his chair, relaxed as all can be basically saying, you know, do you want to dance with me or should I just keep dancing with Jack? Yeah. Yeah. So very, very interesting turn there. So, and um, it was very intimate. It was a very intimate moment in that room. Even though Jack could kind of hear them, mm-hmm. it seemed very intimate. Right. And all the, all the while that song playing on the radio. Right <laughs> which is, you know, she said it. It's our song. That's the song, you know, she equates with Jack. Yeah. Um, so they, of course are, you know, as, as is going to happen, they're going to escape they're going to, uh, get out and yeah, the, the doctor is on the, I'm sorry. Are you talking about like when Jack beams them aboard? Right, right. He, he gets them the onto the ship. They're still kind of like close to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, and there's, you know, there, there's more goading about the relationships like most people notice being teleported you guys didn't that didn't feel like dancing yeah it didn't feel like talking Um, (laughs) you know the very very full and frothful moment but that's also you know we've seen the doctor in a space station this is the first time i've seen the doctor in another spaceship yeah and not just you know a big giant satellite that's meant to keep people and sort of you know like a space hotel but this this was another ship this is another vessel and that's the first time that i think i've seen the doctor in that environment and it was quite interesting that you know rose was looking around everywhere the doctor was not the doctor was not surprised by anything in that ship didn't really phase him Mm mm-hmm They've probably seen them or he'd seen enough spaceships that he was like, yeah, it's a spaceship. And he even recognized, you know, Rose was trying to show off the the little nanobots. And he's like, oh, yeah, these are the nanobots that uh, fixed your hands, right? Yeah. You know, so, again, another moment to show off sort of how cool and chill he is while Jack is trying to look super awesome and cool in that, you know, nice little cockpit chair that he's got. Ultimately, the, the, the way this episode resolves itself um, was very interesting to me because it seemed like it was heading towards some sort of, um, at least what we've seen in the past, is some sort of massive carnage, right? Right. Um, I mean, the doctor's been in uh, the, the prime minister's house when they've blown it up. Yep. He has been, you know, he they blew up the um, the, the the house where the the gas people were coming from the yep. uh, the Gelflings. Yep. The you know, there's always been some sort of major destruction, and I saw this episode heading in that same direction. And once again, thank you very much, Doctor Who uh, <laughs> writers completely out of left field this thing you know that we i had assumed that it was some sort of space disease that right. had escaped you know the, the the implication was definitely heavily going towards some sort of space plague that had been let out by captain jack and instead uh and i think you mentioned it last week the human dna situation mm-hmm. It's these robots that they were trying to do their thing. They're these nanobites were trying to do what they're supposed to do, which is heal and keep alive. And because they didn't have enough information, and I think that's my favorite part of, of the way they described it, because they didn't have enough information, they created this aberration mm-hmm. and... And he was wearing his gas mask, so they just thought that was part of him. Right. Which is heartbreaking. 
it, I, it, again, like the, this episode really, you know, filled me with just as much levity as there was and all the discussion about the, the relationships and whatnot, all wonderful distractions from this really somber topic of, you know, the, these children, these, these orphans roaming the streets of London and this girl, Nancy, uh, sort of plain mother to all of them and helping them out. And, and then, then to find out who Nancy is. Right. For the doctor to have that moment where he, he puts two and two together in a very, I mean, straightforward way. Like I couldn't believe that it was mm-hmm. as simple as that. And that's part of the charm of the show is it makes the simple things seem unbelievable when they've led you to a point where the unbelievable is frequently <laughs> the thing that they go for. And so, you know, for, for the doctor to figure that out and then not knowing what was going to happen to hope that those nanorobot things were going to detect what was happening and using the mom's DNA heal the child. And she goes and she hugs him and I'm like, oh gosh, don't turn into one. Right. <laughs> into one. Right. I mean, that was such a, like, it, the, the, this show last, last week's episode was very sort of creepy and, and scary because of the unknown. By the time we get to this show, it's, it's basically a quintessential zombie episode mm-hmm. because these creatures, while they're not zombies, they're zombie like in that they respond sort of all as a hive. They all move together. They're slow moving with a zombie. It's, you know, don't get bit. Uh, with these guys, it's don't get touched by them. Uh, and then as we get closer to the resolution, the doctor even insinuates it is now airborne, mm-hmm. which, you know, we touched on last week. But, you know, here it, uh, here it is again, you know, an, an airborne pathogen mm-hmm. that affects you that could be s- somewhat deadly and you have to, you know, keep away, don't touch anything. And, oh, by the way, don't breathe in anything. So wear the same mask or a similar mask to what they're now fused with. Holy crap. You know, yeah. 2005, people. This show was written <laughs> in 2005. Oh, it's time. And 15 years later, here we are living through the the reality that is uh, COVID and it feels very timely. Only and the, we had doctor and the software patch to uh, email the upgrade. Right, and and but that's that that's what I loved about, and I, I I keep loving the show. The doctor fixes everything with a hunch, and yeah. what's the solution? Is to show compassion. Yes, she was running away from her own child, as opposed to embracing him. Yes. You know, the thing that she was dreading was the thing that would have solved everything, that could have solved everything. And it's only when the doctor sort of goes, it's okay. You can admit it. Admitting it is the first part. And then go do the thing that you're supposed to do. Be a mother. Be there for your child. You know, it's such a simple yet such an effective solution to the problem and to you know this world ending yet yet again world ending catastrophe that i just didn't see coming i again thought it was going to be the end of the world and we see the doctor celebrating it everybody lives rose just this once everybody lives he's celebrating specifically with rose yeah i think the fact that he calls that out is important mm. because it's not often that he gets to do that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, at this point, we've seen it. He, there, the, there's, it's never on screen and it's never gratuitous, but there is so much death around the doctor. There is so much carnage that gets left behind in his wake. And this one time he was able to save everybody. 
And it's just, it's those goosebumps that you're just like, oh, thank God he got one. Yeah, you know, it, it made me feel so happy for him. Yeah. It, it you know, it, it lifted my spirits. The, yeah. the show has never not been an impressive and a source of comfort uh, as I've been watching episode by episode. Uh, and in the time we live in, this show has been this strange blanket that I've used to sort of cuddle up underneath and just enjoy the, the, the goodness that is coming out of it. And in this one particular episode, it was like, yes, here's the, here's the success we needed. Here's that, you know, he wins one, he gets one and, and that, he is thrilled. That's exactly why I'm a Whovian. Because I needed this in a time of my life that was not great. And the doctor helped me find a way through the darkness. And yeah, if, if somebody he implies that, it, there's always a way. There's yeah. always going. And, and he finds it in the most unlikely of places, which is what I love, is he doesn't use any of his his own technology or any of his supernatural, you know, um, knowledge. It's just the, you know, the simple, the simplest thing that fixed everything and that saved everybody. And that's why I'm so glad that you're finding this now. And I hope that there are listeners that are just finding Dr. Who now, or maybe folks that have watched it before and they're rewatching it. Because 2020, we need Doctor Who. We, oh my we, gosh, yes. We need something to give us light in the darkness. Uh, because it's just been a rough year. And the Doctor gives us strength. And I am so grateful that you're watching it. Because I'm glad that you get to share in what the Doctor gives to us. Uh, he just, every week, I am filled with comfort and with just that that spark that the doctor brings you know we we talked about i've talked about in previous episodes i think with every single one of my hosts at this point um that eccleson just brings this joyful approach to this character this very mischievous very uh happy individual and it is it is an incredible source of comfort for me in these times. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's times when I might just send somebody a meme from a show or, hey, you need to watch this episode. And my friends are like, okay. And they'll go and watch and they'll be like, yeah, I needed that today. Thanks. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a way that we communicate through our fandoms. I mean, I've been telling you for years to watch Doctor Who, and now you've watched two of the episodes that mean the most to me. And now you'll get it when I'm like, oh, my God, the Doctor dances. You're like, oh, my gosh, yes, it's so good. Like, we get it now. And it's just another way that we express our emotions and our feelings to each other. And some folks aren't really good at expressing that. But through our fandoms, we can. Exactly. Um, the last note that I have is just how it ended with uh, another funny little just Doctor Whoism. The one lady comes back up to the, the medical doctor and she's like, my leg's grown back. <laughs> and then the energies. And the doctor's like, is it possible you miscounted? <laughs> there <laughs> is a war, yeah. Counted that I lost a leg, you know? <laughs> but, you know, it, and again, it's that sort of, you know, levity that reminds us that, you know, the, even in darkness, there is something to smile about. And that if there is something to smile about, then hope is not lost and we can yeah. move forward. And, you know, he, in this episode, this one time, everybody lives. Everybody lives. Including Jack, who it looked like he was going to be yeah. lost. It looked like the doctor knew that uh -huh. the decision Jack made would have doomed him. He did, yep. And maybe because he was super excited that everybody lived, maybe because of Rose, but there, there's the TARDIS inside another ship, which, I mean, 
my mind was uh, a little broken. You know, it's like a ship inside of a ship that's bigger than the ship that it's inside of. Wow, there's a lot in there. But, you know, they they save him. They they pull him out just when he thought he was going. uh, And he seemed pretty resigned, which is another very interesting character trait. You know, not everybody can take the knowing their own death with grace. And he just seemed like, okay, well, if this is where it ends, this is where it ends. And I'm just going to sip on my martini yeah. <laughs> and just watch as uh, everything stops. Um, Jack is so a classic. <laughs> he is, yeah, he is definitely a character that was very, very interesting. Uh, and I, I can't wait. Uh, you know, it looks like his adventures in the Doctor Who world will continue. And I can't wait to continue to follow that. Well, and then um, they're dancing, as this episode is called The Doctor Dances, and he mm-hmm. didn't really dance with her on the planet. And he's kind of trying to figure it out. He offers up to D- Jack to dance, but then he remembers that he does know how to dance. And so the Doctor dances mm-hmm. with girls. And, and yeah, it, I think that kind in, of in a way up. that then yeah. you see Jack looking at them, mm-hmm. kind of a little jealous. Mm-hmm. And and the doctor says something that uh, I did not take as the doctor sort of being mean about it, mm-hmm. but the doctor just being very matter of fact in that he goes, well, is he jealous because he doesn't get to dance with you or is he jealous because he doesn't get to dance with me? Absolutely. I think it was just solidifying again that letting the audience know that Jack um, – Jack is a free spirit mm-hmm. and, and Jack likes who he likes. And they wanted to make certain that the audience knew that about the character um, as, as a character development for that character. And also just to make certain that if you didn't catch it last week, you got it this week mm-hmm. uh, because it is a diverse show. Uh, Doctor who wants to make certain that their characters um, represent everyone. And, and there's certainly yeah, characters that are more than just a two dimensional mm-hmm. character representation. And Jack is most certainly more than just a two dimensional character. Yeah. And I really, really appreciated, uh, uh, what's his name? Boromon, Barramon, John Barrowman, mm-hmm. John Barrowman, mm-hmm. his performance is very very clear like there is no ambiguity to what he is doing you know there's no ambiguity about his ambiguity there's no you know he is such a good actor at playing a character that is as enigmatic as jack seems to be in a way that i i got it right away and yet I knew that there's more to him. Yeah, he's just, he's one of those characters that you love. Like, you absolutely love. Um, I, I can't say a bad thing about Captain Jack Harkness. I just, he's one of my favorite characters. He's actually, um, I was supposed to gender bend bound as him. So I was going to do a female Captain Jack Harkness mm. uh, when I was going to meet Chris Eccleston this year when the cons got canceled. Uh, and it was going to be my first time doing a Captain Jack cosplay. Um, so he's just, he's a great character. He really is. Um, there's going to be a lot more about him. There's going to be so, there's so much I want to tell you about him that I can't because spoilers, <laughs> sweetie. Um, but I think you are really going to be excited about how much you get to explore his character. I, I cannot wait. Uh, you you kind of delved in a little bit, but I, I feel obliged to ask, is there anything in this episode or in last week's episode that I missed, that I didn't pick up on, something that's going to come back uh, in later episodes that I just completely blew past? I mean, the biggest thing is we got introduced to Jack. Um, the majority of the episode itself was standalone because of um it was a two-parter mm-hmm. so a lot of times the two-parters are standalone um but the biggest thing is the introduction to jack 
Well, excellent. Thank you so much for uh, joining me for these two episodes. Thank it has really you. been a treat. Oh, they're just so good. I, I can just watch them on repeat. <laughs> well, I, I definitely, uh, I, I only watch them to prepare for the podcast. So I have not had a chance to watch these with my wife yet. So I know I'll be watching them at least one more time in the in the very near future, I mean, if not more. Your reaction to be like, I know it's so good, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's been fun as uh, as I get to sometimes watch the episode before I get to watch it with my wife to go back and watch it again uh, and sort of react uh, with her uh, and then hear her comments after she hears the uh, the podcasts and learns more about some of the stuff. So it's it's been a lot of fun. But thanks for joining me and. Uh, audience uh, thank you for making it to the end of yet another podcast if you want to support the show please i encourage you strongly to stop on by and check out firsttimelord.com that is where you can see all of our past episodes posted you can leave comments on any episode so if there's anything that uh, i did not talk about with my host that week that you feel i should have talked about please comment on that site Uh, And if you want to support the show, you can either click on the uh, Patreon link, which is on the firsttimelord.com site, and that will take you to my Patreon site, where you can find me as Daniel Levain on Patreon, and you can support the show that way. Or you can go to the First Time Lord merch site, and we have some uh, pretty awesome t-shirts there that uh, will also help support the show. So check those out, and uh, I guess I I have nothing left to do here but uh, head back to my TV and uh, watch some more Doctor Who. Off you go, then. Do what you've got to do. Save the world.